This is a Federal News Network podcast. To the IRS, taxpayers are also cases. That makes case management a vital function to help people resolve issues or get answers to questions. Over the years, the IRS has accumulated dozens of case management systems. Many are long in tooth. So last year, the agency set up an office known as Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management. Its task is to consolidate and modernize case management. And for a progress report, we turn to co-director Justin Abold Labresh. Mr. Labresh, good to have you on. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Now, there's a syllable in the title of your office that caught my eye, and then I did a little reading and found out that it's an important syllable. It's digitalization and not digitization. And that means something in the context of your work. Tell us about that syllable. Well, a- absolutely. So I think I should start out by saying my office, Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management, is unique in that we have two directors or co-directors. I focus on the case management part, but I want to introduce virtually uh, Harrison Smith, who's my co-director. He focuses on digitalization. And the example he likes to use when talking about digitalization is that when he speaks with his relatives on the phone and he's trying to figure out something to help them, he'll just say, hey, take a photo of whatever you're looking at and send it to me uh, so that I can look at the same thing and walk you through it. And that's an example of taking you know, a piece of paper and sending an image of it in and digitizing it so that we've got it. Uh, but there's a limit to what you can do because then that image is hard to ex- uh, analyze. It's hard to extract the data from it and take the next step. So digitalization is about taking that next step and being able to leverage what has been digitized or create a digital native process to bring that data in so that we can then really take advantage of that data and use it to transform our business processes. And for us, that means delivering better services for the taxpayer. Now, on the case management side, I noticed that it looks like IRS has about 60 case management systems of varying age and varying capabilities and varying technologies. So how will you get all of those rationalized? And what's the goal here for them? That is a a great question. Yeah, we, you know, like many big companies or many big government agencies, uh, we have a a history of information technology that dates decades back. And as we've moved through, depending on our funding, we've been able to enhance systems or or build new systems. Um, But as a result, we, like many people, have a very large legacy IT infrastructure, including our case management area. And so we have 60 plus legacy case management systems, as well as a whole host of spreadsheets and databases and associated tools that our business customers have used to make their delivery of service better. But there comes a point in time when you need to rationalize all that and say they're outdated, they don't talk to one another. If a taxpayer is journeying from one part of the IRS to another, so to speak, we want to be able to journey with them so that that handoff is seamless And the taxpayer, when they encounter the next person down the line, doesn't have to start out and explain again everything they just told us. And so we have a very large initiative, Enterprise Case Management. It's part of our IRS integrated business modernization approach. And what my charge to do on behalf of the IRS is to stand up an enterprise platform. We're using Pegasystems. It's a a leading commercial off-the-shelf, low-code, no-code case management platform. And to modernize and migrate all those business processes that are in those legacy case management systems and bring them into enterprise case management. And when we do that, do it in a way that enables employees to be able to have access to the data that they need and should appropriately have access to, 
uh, to resolve taxpayer issues and to make it easier for us to flow the case through the system so that the journey for the taxpayer is also seamless. Now, do you make the distinction between individual accounts and business accounts? Because those are divisions within the IRS itself. In fact, my project encompasses all of that. Individual taxpayer cases, business taxpayer cases, international, everything that's flowing through the IRS that needs a case management backbone will come through enterprise case management. Now, we'll do that with strong role-based and action-based security so that we are appropriately protecting information, Uh, but we're going to do it in a way that enables our employees to access the right case information when they need it to resolve it, whether it's dealing with an individual or a business taxpayer or a nonprofit or a tax-exempt bond. We're speaking with Justin Abold Labresh. He's co-director of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office at the IRS. How important to this effort are some of the other efforts going on in the IRS, such as the ongoing development of the customer account data engine, KD? I guess they're on KD2, maybe it's three or four by now, to get some of that legacy coding out in, into the relational database age. Is that necessary to be completed before you can complete your work? Well, I mean, the first thing I want to say is the IT organization, the IRS, is great. I mean, they are providing a really strong technology backbone, and they're working with a really challenging legacy environment. And so the work on CAD, CAD2, to be able to update that database and make that data more easily accessible, it's extraordinarily important, not just for the work in ECM, but more broadly across the IRS. Uh, What is... I think a real strength of how we're approaching modernization here in the IRS is that rather than have sequential projects that push the modernization timeframe out far, far in the future, we're able to run multiple modernization projects in parallel, which means uh, on the Kenner case management side, we're focused on delivering new applications as soon as we possibly can. And in some cases, we might have dependencies on other parts of our modernization efforts, Uh, And in many cases, we're we're coordinating to get the timing right, or we might just have a a workaround. Like we know that some other part of the modernization is going to mature a year from now. So let's sequence what we're doing in case management to, to tie up with that in a really smart way. And as you integrate all of these case management systems into one, I guess, virtual one using this low code platform, are you also modernizing the processes so that you don't end up simply, as the old expression goes, paving the cow paths? Yes, that is exactly what we're doing. I wish I could take credit for that vision, uh, but it actually predates me. One of my colleagues, Brad Bouton, worked together with that, one of the prior CIOs, and they really recognized the opportunity here isn't just to introduce new technology. The opportunity is to figure out how to fully take advantage of what that technology will allow us to do and the services it will allow us to offer. And so when we bring a business process into enterprise case management, it actually starts with business process modernization. And we use a combination of different modernization approaches. We've got customer-centric design, design thinking, there's certainly some Lean Six Sigma aspects to it. So we have a, a wide variety of methodologies. We We tailor them to a particular process and say, where can we get the biggest lift and help our employees and managers envision what the future could look like with this new technology? And most business filers, I would say probably all business and corporate filers file electronically, and a majority of individual filers still do, but there's still that persistent tens of millions of people that file with paper to this day with the IRS. Is there a way that those records can get 
somehow inculcated into this such that the case management can apply to those people that might have sent in packages of paper? Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the core reasons why enterprise digitalization and case management sit together in a in an office as we do, uh, is because that digitalization piece is essential to broad service delivery, but certainly for my job in case management, it's essential to help bring in uh, residual paper and ensure that we can provide the same level of service in ECM, uh, paperless case files, uh, but being able to convert that paper into a digital format. And I think what I would uh, put a plug in now for is to really encourage everyone to take advantage of our electronic, our e-filing. Uh, we've got a variety of ways that people can do that. Uh, and so if, if, if that's something that works for you, do it. It certainly makes the process work more smoothly, but we're also committed to ensuring that those people who don't have access to the internet have a way to meet their tax obligations. And so that's a critical part of our service offering. And do you think that having this electronic update of all of the case management systems could in turn enable better service through the call centers, which has been a challenge? Absolutely. We are working towards introducing enterprise case management in the call center environment. We want to do that smartly because it is so critical to our overall service delivery. Uh, so we're, we're taking good steps forward uh, at a moderate pace to make certain that we integrate it well uh, and that it works for both the employee, but it does have that impact you're talking about, which is you know the service offering to the public. And given the fact that it looks like people are going to be remote working now for who knows, maybe another year, it's hard to tell. Is there a mobile and a remote component to what you plan to deploy in case the people dealing with the public using the case management system are not in an IRS facility? That's absolutely one of the benefits of being in enterprise case management with paperless case files is the virtualization of work workplace. Uh, but it's also important for revenue agents that are out in the field talking with taxpayers in their work sites or revenue officers that are visiting taxpayers, again, in the field at their work site or their home to be able to resolve issues. Uh, it's important that they're also able to access enterprise management seamlessly. And so that's another aspect of that paperless case file and, and virtualization that's important for our service offering. And how do you come to this work? Do you come from the enterprise architecture side, the IT coding side, the management side? What's, what's your angle here? Uh, you know what? I, I come to it really out of the business. And that, I think, is a, a source of strength because I've had the opportunity to work with the IRS for 10 years. I love working for the Internal Revenue Service. It is a fantastic place. The people are committed to helping others. Uh, I've, been, I've had the chance to work in all four of our, our large operating divisions. I've been able to see what the business looks like across the IRS. I think that's a source of strength in the job. But, of course, it means I have to be a really good partner with our technical subject matter experts on the IT side, the architecture side is super important to what we're doing to be able to give us the right guardrails to move this forward in a way that's consistent with the overall vision for IT and the IRS. Justin Abold Labresh is co-director of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office at the IRS. Thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. I love talking about this and I know my Co-director Harris and I would love to come back anytime. We're doing good work here. It's making things better for our employees and taxpayers. Talk to us anytime. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. 
During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening, 
to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.